The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Thank you for being here. Thank you for those of you joining online. And thank the Lord, man. Just felt like he really moved there in a special way. And, and the scripture says, if, you don't, if, you, don't, uh, if you, want, you don't have because you don't ask. And it just felt like it was a moment that the Lord had just kind of carved out that we should ask. And we should continue to do that, man, as a body of believers on behalf of not only our church, but the entire planet. Man, we should be ambassadors uh, of the Lord and, and, and intervene, Lord, on, on our, for the Lord on, that, on, be, on the behalf of people man, and just and talk to the Lord about what's going on in our country and for our leaders and, and what's going on for, with our friends and just consistently being in prayer and talking to the Lord. And we'll find that, that I believe that moves the heart of God. And, and today we're going to jump back into the minor prophets. We've been in Jonah the past couple of weeks. So we'll pick up in chapter three, talking about running from God and how this whole um, when you start to run from God, man, and people, uh, people are probably more familiar with running from God than they are running with God. And I, I hope that, that you can reverse that if that's true in your life. But when you do that, it sets a, a cycle of irrationality in motion. And, and then last week we learned, you know, uh, through that you kind of hit, you can hit rock bottom. And the Lord, he starts to engage in a rescue when we do hit rock bottom and you stop running and the rescue begins. And a lot of times when you hit the bottom, man, you've given up. Like you're so tired, you can't run anymore. And that's when God will begin to initiate uh, his work and begin the, the rescue. And you'll have a gut check. Things often get worse before they get better. Okay? So when you hit rock bottom, like it doesn't immediately mean that, okay, I'm going to turn to the Lord and everything's going to get better. A lot of times, even as you turn to the Lord, I think it's a real pivotal time that the, the enemy even, he is trying to do everything he can to destroy the work of God in your life. And so he will come at you harder than he has before because before you were asleep, he didn't want to bother you. Um, he wanted to leave you right there in that apathetic state, but now you've shifted and you're starting to, to focus on God and maybe you've repented for your rebellion and now things can get worse because you can be facing a hostile force who now is concerned about stopping you before you get too encouraged and full of Jesus. And that can happen, man, and things can get uh, worse. And this is all designed to teach us that God is in control. If you want to ask what the book of Jonah is about, it's not about a whale and it's not about a prophet. It's about the sovereignty of God. He is in control. He's in control of the entire universe, and we see that on page after page. And so running from God... What happens is when we run from him, it creates pain, okay? Ultimately, it will create pain in your life. But pain is productive, okay? Um, C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts at us in our pain. And so that has been true in my life. In the most painful moments, I've heard God the clearest, and he's done the most work. Now, that doesn't mean that I look at that and go, man, I want some more of that pain, like, I don't. Like, some of the pain that I've experienced, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. However, I wouldn't trade it for the world because of what it has done and developed in me. And it's because the way God moves in the midst of when he has our attention in these painful situations. And so today, um, we see in chapter uh, 3, beginning at the end of chapter 2 of Jonah, and then chapter 3, that Jonah, he starts to harmonize with God's sovereignty. But Jonah chapter 3 is kind of an interesting place in the scripture because in the, in the book, in the story, the narrative in the Old Testament, because in chapter 1, 
um, it's pretty, like, it's pretty cool, man. It's like, it's, it's got this, this conflict going on with this man and God and this disobedience and this running and we're into it. And then, and then it has this um, incredible thing where he's thrown overboard and he's swallowed by a giant fish and we're like, whoa. And then he prays in chapter two, man, he comes to Jesus. He has a come to Jesus moment, if you will. And he realizes, man, he's, he's made a, a, a horrible mistake in his rebellion. And we get to chapter three, and it can kind of feel like, nah, let's get on to chapter four. The story's over. But the most significant revival that has ever happened on the planet happens in chapter three. An entire city, one of the largest cities of the known uh, uh, time, comes to a faith in God. They repent and they turn. And so it's a very fascinating uh, thing. And, and we look at this in, in chapter 2 and verse 10. I talked about this a little bit last week. And it says, and the Lord commanded. So, so, so the Lord commanded the storm. The Lord, first he commanded Jonah. Jonah doesn't listen, okay? Jonah has a will, all right? Just like you do. You have the will to listen to uh, or ignore God. So Jonah doesn't listen. So God commands a storm. The storm listens. The storm doesn't have a will. And then um, God commands uh, the fish. The fish listens. It doesn't have a will, okay? He's trying to get at the heart. So this, this, this story is all about God's sovereignty and man's free will learning to harmonize with that sovereignty. And when we're harmonizing with it, we're not running from God. And when we're not harmonizing with it, we are running from God. And so we get here in and, and this uh, particular place, and it says in verse 10, and the Lord God commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land, okay? Not a very pleasant picture. His life obviously literally stunk, okay? You don't come out from the inside of an animal smelling good. Just doesn't happen. Most scholars who uh, look at this and, and historically believe that this is an event that happened, as I do, they would say, man, that Jonah's skin was probably bleached. He probably didn't look the same. And so now he's not as attractive as he once was because his skin is all messed up and his appearance has changed. And we often think that he's spit up on the beach and, and he just starts preaching. He's like, man, I don't want any more of that. But we don't really find that that's the way God works in anywhere in Scripture. Like we look at Moses, and that's not what happened with Moses. Even Abraham, all of the different um, leaders, significant leaders we have in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, the apostle Peter, you know, he denies the Lord, and then after he says he'll never do that, and he does it, and then there's a period of time where the Lord works on them. The Apostle Paul, like he, he, he comes to Jesus, he meets the Lord, and then there's a period of three years before real ministry starts to engage for him. And so there's always a period of healing that goes on for these people um, that, that, that go through these experiences. And so here's Jonah. He probably doesn't just immediately start preaching, but people probably knew about what happened to him. Um, probably uh, there were some people on the beach that saw this event take place and word spread because we even know historically they have found a, a coin from this time period uh, of a man being coming forth out of a sea monster. And, and it has been identified, uh, one scholar has identified it early in the last century uh, uh, to be Jonah. And so there, like these pe there was people that knew about um, this event that took place with him. But here he is, and it's more reasonable to believe that God allows him some time to recover um, and to reflect on the lessons he'd learned. Because God is always interested in the individual as well as the group. So God is always interested in how he's going to minister to the world, but he's always 
interested in how he's going to minister to me. <laughs> now, that's a beautiful thing. He said, God is, he's concerned about how he's going to minister to me while at the same time being concerned about how he's going to minister to all of you guys through me. And so here he has this period of time and he's reflecting on some of the things that have happened to him. His reputation has been impacted um, and he's, he's somewhere living and trying to make sense of what happened. And, and as he's learning from his pain, all of a sudden we find Verse 1 of chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. <laughs> like, man, like that's a beautiful thing to read in the scripture. Like, there's probably a guy sitting there going, I wonder if the Lord will ever use me again. I wonder if the Lord, like, I've blown it so bad. I'm thankful that he saved me. And I'm thankful that I'd known him, but will he ever use me again? And here we read in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And the good news about our God is he is a God of second chances. We see it over and over in many of the people. And it doesn't mean that we should count on the second chance. It doesn't mean that every, second, every single person gets a second chance. And so that we should, um, you know, uh, be uh, cavalier in our attitudes about that. But it does mean that God does give second chances. And I've certainly been the recipient of second chances in my life. And they're a beautiful thing, man. And, and so if you are in a place in your life where you've blown it, you need to be encouraged today that God, he delights in giving second chances and he's looking for people who will listen to him and obey him. And so the, that's good news for us. And that's the first takeaway I wanna share with you. And here's the second one. Obedience can be tough, but disobedience is tougher. Okay, so, so you've gotta understand this, all right? Now, for Jonah, uh, what we see here is, He's obedient, and he walks out his obedience, and he doesn't really have the greatest attitude, and we'll see that um, throughout the story. And so I think there's something for us to learn there is that, um, you know, often we hear the, the passage of Scripture, God loves a cheerful giver. And it's usually talked about in the context of giving financially because that's the, in that passage, it, it relates to, to giving. But God loves a cheerful giver of obedience too, of obedience, whether we're talking about our 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 giving financially or where we're talking about giving in our allegiance to him and walking in obedience and doing what he's asked us to do and fulfilling that call that he's placed on our lives. And so God, um, he, he delights in that and we will delight in it. And I, and, and I think that's kind of where I, what the Lord has been showing me as man, Jonah, he, he didn't like the Lord still worked in the midst of his obedience, but Jonah could have, in, he could have enjoyed it a lot more. And I scratch my head and wonder why, why he didn't. And the only, th the only conclusion I can come to, and this is merely a conclusion that I'm drawing, and Scripture doesn't say this, is that, that God wanted us to know, that he wanted us to learn from Jonah's mistakes. And so he wrote the story exactly as it exists, and, and we have it there to learn and be able to reflect upon and go, man, if I'm going to walk in obedience, I need to walk in it cheerfully, and it's best for me, and if I don't, um, it's not good for me. And we'll, again, we'll, I'll get into that next week as, as we end uh, the book of Jonah. But obedience, like it's tough, all right? So don't think that walking in obedience is an easy thing. It's not. If it, if it were, if it were, <laughs> the church would be cram-packed every week. There wouldn't be a church as empty anywhere. And people would be making disciples all over the place. 
The reason that they're not is because obedience is hard. It's a very difficult thing. And when you're coming out of rebellion, it is very difficult. And I, I say that just to, to, to share with you and, and encourage you to know, man, there's some hard work to be done. Um, there's some seed that must be sown before um, there's a lot to celebrate. And, and so you got to be faithful in that. And, and here's what we learn. He says to, to Jonah, the word comes to him, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it a message I give you. Now that's important, okay? He says, go and proclaim what I'm gonna give you. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city and a visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned, okay? All right, so here's the deal. Jonah, you're going to one of the largest cities known in the day and time, one of the most powerful uh, uh, cities that exist in the Assyrian Empire. And I'm going to give you a message when you get there. Now, it says that they, it required three days' journey, okay? So there, th that doesn't mean that it took three days to visit everywhere. It means that there was a protocol. It took, you spent a day at the city gates presenting gifts. You went in and you met with officials. And, and so there was a diplomatic approach that you went through in order to visit the city with an official message. And so here's Jonah, and he's told by God, I want you to go to Nineveh. You didn't go last time. Here's your second chance. I want you to go, and when you get there, I'm going to give you the message. And Jonah's probably worried because he looks funny. His skin is bleached. People are going to think he's weird looking anyway. But little does he know is that these people are, um, they are known for worshiping the god Dagon, and he is the fish god. And so when you've been swallowed by a fish and spit up by a fish, and now people know about you and your skin is bleached, guess what? They're going to pay attention to what you have to say. And so he walks in, and, 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 and when he gets there to this great city, what is the message of encouragement that he brings? Doom. Forty days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. Like God is telling me to come and bring this message uh, to you. And so he had to tell the most powerful city that it was going to be destroyed and overthrown in 40 days. And, and so uh, when he, he's going through and he's proclaiming this news to the or as an emissary as he, as he visit, visits with the officials, and then he would spend the next two days giving that message uh, to people over and over. And so the whole city um, that Jonah hates, <laughs> you can't forget that, he hates this city. The whole city is in an uproar as they hear the news about the guy with funny-looking skin who was swallowed by a fish proclaiming that their city is going to be destroyed. And the point that I want you to hear is this. This is not an enjoyable time for Jonah. Now, it, it, it could have been probably, but it is not. Um, there's nothing fun about it for him. And he's walking in obedience. And that's what obedience is like sometimes. Now, what happens is, I think that in the beginning of our, our spiritual journey, anytime we're coming out of any kind of rebellion, and so, you know, initially when we turn to God, we're coming from a life of rebellion. And so when we come from that, I think obedience is the most difficult at that point in that juncture in our lives than it probably ever will, ever will be, okay? And so it, what happens is, as we walk in that difficulty, 
and we're faithful to the Lord and we're obedient, then we begin to see the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God on our lives. He marks us with his sovereignty. His hand is on our lives. And we start listening to what he's saying and we start going where he says that we should go. We start doing what he says we should do and we start walking in that faithfulness and the blessing of God starts to fall on our lives. And so obedience gets easier in one sense. It's always hard. So here I am, I'm 50 years old and I have been faithfully following the Lord since I was, uh, I started when I was nine, had a time, a period of time, about seven years from 15 to 22 that was definitely rebellion and then got serious with the Lord at 22 and nailed it down. And so over these last 30 years, <laughs> oh, how depressing is that? It, almost 30 years. I have not, like, I've not crushed it out of the park all the time. There have been times that I've been disobedient. <laughs> I don't know if y'all knew that, but that's I've, I've, happened. But here's, here's what I could tell you is that, is that, man, even when the Lord asks me to step into something to be obedient in right now, I willingly move that direction. But my flesh still has a difficult time with it. But my spirit is so strong in the Lord now that it tells my flesh what to do. And when you first start, your flesh is trying to tell the spirit what to do. And that's why Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so what you have to do is you have to, you have to continue to walk out that obedience to the Lord. Continue to be faithful to what he's called you to. And as he puts his imprint on your life and you're, you're walking in harmony with him and the blessing of God begins to fall, then it becomes easier to obey because the spirit becomes stronger. And as the spirit becomes stronger and we walk in greater obedience, then the people around us can begin to recognize we're living our lives in a different way. This is why Jesus talks so much um, in the gospel of John about obedience and, and glory and the spirit falling and that, that we are to walk in that obedience and we sit with him, we, we abide in him so that he can speak directly to us through the power of his word and through prayer. He can impress upon us just like he did me this morning that you need to come forward and lead the body in prayer. Now, how did I know to do that? Like, was that, did God all of a sudden, like, do I have a special communication with God where he goes, Jimmy, now is the time to stop service and pray. No, man, I walk with the Lord. I'm sensitive to his spirit because I have a frequent experience with him that I meet with him routinely. I call it, we call it an abide time. I remain with him for a period of time so that I know how to get stronger in the spirit of Christ and tell my flesh what to do. So that when a moment comes that he tells me to be obedient in, whether it's do this or, or go see my neighbor or call someone or whatever, I can recognize the voice of God just like Jesus said that I would in John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice, they listen and they follow. And so that's walking in obedience and the glory of God can fall on your life when you're walking in obedience like that. When you first begin in your journey, or in your, if you're walking in any kind of rebellion and you're trying to be obedient and coming out of it, it's hard, but it gets easier 
because you begin to experience the blessing of God on your life and you want to walk in that blessing as the Lord um, drops breadcrumbs for you along the way and helps you to stay encouraged, man. He's like, I'm gonna keep you encouraged along the path. And so here's the deal is that we have to, we have to learn to take the attitude of, uh, anybody seen the movie The Postman? Any, oh Got some Kevin Costner fans in the house? Not really. Three of us. He's got some weird movies out there. Um, but The Postman is a pretty cool movie. It's, I don't remember everything about it, but there's an apocalyptic event that happens and, and the world is all screwed up and people are freaking out and there's food shortages and stuff. And he comes across a, a, a postal truck that has a dead postman in it, but it has clo- he has clothes on. The skeleton still has clothes. And so he takes the clothes and he puts the clothes on and he starts to light some of the mail to keep him warm. And as he's keeping, he starts looking at the mail, man. And he's, he's reading, reading the mail and he's like, these are actual letters. And so he gets a vision and he decides that he's going to start delivering everything that's in the mailbox. So he loads up the mail sack and he goes door to door like the old fashioned postman. And he starts delivering letters. And the people like in, the, in America are freaking out, man. That the, uh, isn't it weird that I'm talking about the post office and there's so much going on with the post office right now? That wasn't planned. Uh, and so, so he, he starts delivering the mail, and, and the people start asking him, well, how are things out there? How are things? Because they didn't know. And this is what he said. Things are getting better. <laughs> and, and the whole country turned around because he ma- started to make that statement. I think at the end of the movie, they, they have a memorial to the postman. So anyway, uh, that's an old movie. I can't believe I remember that much about it. Uh, so anyway... The thing is, is, is that he had an attitude. And I think in walking in obedience and things are hard, that's the attitude. It's like you have to remind yourself, man, things are getting better. And you have to look at the area where things are getting better. You have to go, man, if there's nothing, like when things feel like they're falling apart in your life and, you're, and, and you're like, you just want to throw up your hands and go, what's the use of me trying to sacrifice for the Lord? It doesn't seem to be doing any good. Look at these people who are being blessed. You can't do that. Like, that will discourage you. You've got to believe in the sovereignty of God, and you have to believe that he's called you, and you have to look at the blessings around you and identify them wherever they may be. And you've got to, you've got to begin to go, things are getting better, man. Like, I see some better stuff over here. I see some better stuff over here. And you start recognizing those things, and you keep yourself encouraged in the Lord as he continues to um, uh, work things out in your life. And so it, obedience is tough. Disobedience is tougher because it will absolutely destroy your relationship with the Lord. Here's uh, the next takeaway. God can take a little bit of obedience and do a whole lot with it. And that's encouraging, man. Just a little bitty tiny, tiny obedience and God can do amazing things with it. Look at, look at this. It says the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. And when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion Turn his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And so the people of Nineveh teach us what true conversion looks like. It's a change not only in mind, but in heart and behavior. 
And it changed their behavior immediately, and that is the same that is true for us today. If you meet Christ, there should be an immediate change in your behavior. Your life is not the same as it was before. You could, um, you could, you could think evil thoughts. You could be evil toward other people. You could have the attitude of selfishness that you're going to go for yours because uh, telling people you better go for yours because I'm going to get mine. I'm running over people. Like that all changes. And you start having compassion for people. You start thinking about them. You start having empathy. All of this stuff develops inside of you because your behavior follows when you meet the Lord. And that's what we see in these people. And so God loves it when, when people respond to him in obedience. And that's, that's a, again, another message about the sovereignty of God. When we walk and submit to him in obedience, God delights in that. And, and he wants that more than anything more than he wants you to walk in and write big fat checks to the church. He wants you to be obedient every day. That means more to him. And if you're, if you're in the means to write big fat checks to the church and you're uh, walking in obedience, guess what? You'll still write the big fat checks to the church, amen? <laughs> amen. <laughs> All right, so God loves it when we respond to his word in obedience. And then obedience, here's, here's the last takeaway before we get to the big idea. Obedience, it moves the heart of God. And that's kind of setting that up. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And so there are a whole lot of theological issues that we could get bogged down in. And well, did God change? No, God didn't change. He knew what he was gonna do. He knew what the people were gonna do. He said, well, didn't he say he was gonna destroy the city? Yeah, but the city repented. And, and so maybe he was gonna destroy the city that didn't repent. And then we could look and go later, well, the city does actually get destroyed a few years later. And so we got all of these different things going on. But the story here is about God and our obedience to him and how we need to walk in that. And so when these people started obeying, it moved God's heart and they started singing in three-part harmony to his sovereignty. And the, the harmony was repentance, it was faith, and it was a fast, okay? So it was sacrificing to get that flesh in shape, like so that the spirit could rule over the flesh. It was obedience um, or, or faith in the Lord, and it was repenting of the way that they had lived. And so they stopped being wicked to the other cities that were around them. And so the, the message of God was obviously conditional. Nineveh repented, they wouldn't be overturned, and that's exactly what happened. And so God, we see from this is that he's established the universe, and you need to take this away, so that faithfulness to him is rewarded while faithlessness produces judgment. Okay, now you say, well, what about, what about people that I know are not faithful to God and they seem to be getting all these, like they're, they're wealthy, man. They got loads of cash. They do all these things. They, you, no one will outrun God. And so you, you can't look at, when, you, when I look at people like that and I know that they don't know the Lord and they have all of these like, um, um, earthly blessings, if you will, pleasures. Like my, our hearts should move toward one of compassion toward them. Is it those, all of those pleasures may be the very thing that ever keeps them from coming to a place of repentance in their lives. But ultimately they will give an account for every deed that they've done and whether or not they knew Jesus. 
Every person does. And so you have to leave that into the hands of the sovereign God that we follow and not be discouraged by what's going on in other people's lives and believe and hold on to that God rewards faithfulness and we need to walk in it. And so Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 19 says, this day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Okay, so choose life. That's the message from the word today. The big idea, obedience determines my destiny. Like where you're gonna be in a year from now is all dependent upon how obedient you are the next 365 days. Where you are gonna be 10 years from now is all dependent upon your obedience to the Lord. And so that's when we begin to raise obedience to the forefront of our minds and we quit discounting things and go saying, well, this is not that big a deal. It is a big a deal, a big deal. If the Lord is calling you to obedience and something, you need to respond to him in obedience and, and not do it in a way as Jonah was doing it out of duty, out of the power of the flesh. What you have to do is do it out of the spirit and joy will fall on your lives. Okay, so like... If you just try to follow the Lord in obedience in your own spiritual or own fleshly power, you can do it partially, and the Lord can work in it. We see that he's doing it in Jonah, but you're not going to enjoy life, okay? And we'll see that next week in Jonah's life. He did not enjoy the greatest revival that has ever happened, and he was a prophet of God, okay? That's, that's just insane. And so what, how do we do that? Well, we do it by working out of uh, 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 the, the energy of the spirit. And Romans talks about this. Energia is the word. And that's when I'm working out of the power and energy of the spirit. And so I often will talk to the Lord about things that I need to do both physically um, when I get exhausted, when I'm doing projects like I've recently been doing at the church um, or, you know, just any other thing, I just get really tired sometimes. Then what I'll pray is, Lord, help me to function out of the energy of the spirit today so that I don't hurt people around me. And I don't always get that right, but I try, man. And I'm gonna tell you one thing, if I didn't pray that, it would be bad news for the people around me. It helps me to stay in check. And so I want to encourage you today that obedience will determine your destiny. So walk in that obedience and, and work it out in the spirit, not the flesh. And then you will face obedience and it won't feel like, oh, do I really have to do this, Lord? It'll feel like, oh, Lord, you're asking me to do this? What? You're going to trust me with this? I can't wait to see what you're going to do, Lord. And it will change everything about you. And you'll begin to see the blessing of God to fall on your life. And so I want to encourage you and the Lord today to be obedient. Those of you watching online, be obedient. There's never been a time in our lives, I don't believe, where that is so important for the church to walk in obedience. It's like, man, times are, are crazy. And if things are going to get better, it's because Christians are going to listen to the Lord and walk and obedience. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.